Hello! Welcome to Legacy After Dark. I am Gail, your host, and with me is Deborah from StorytellingCourses.com. Ha! Huh, I remembered. Hey! Thanks. <laughs> Hi! <laughs> um, thank you so much for saying yes and joining me. Would you please take the first few moments and tell our friends who you are, um, what you do, and what is your absolute favorite thing about storytelling? Great. Thank you so much. I'm very honored to be here tonight. And I am Deborah Weller, storyteller. I've been performing and teaching as a storyteller for 40 years. <laughs> and with that, I've had the opportunity to travel internationally to perform and all throughout the United States as a storyteller. The things that I love about what I do is I get to reach and teach people. I get to be all the characters in a story. And I started way back when my daughter was an infant and I lived in New Jersey. I met another woman who was caring for my daughter while I finished my college courses. And I said, let's be storytellers. I said, well, I play the guitar. And we performed as the Annie Lynn Storytellers for 12 years in the Cherry Hill, Philadelphia area and performed at the Philadelphia Folk Festival, the Doylestown Festival, and our little girls went with us. And they became storytellers too. And we performed for 12 years until I moved to California. Then I got to California and I formed the South Coast Storytellers Guild with some other wonderful storytellers in Orange County, California. And for 31 years, I lived there and performed and taught teachers, librarians, taught at conferences to find people's voice. Now, my main experience is I believe through storytelling that people can overcome their fear of public speaking and also by embedding story in their brands and embedding story into their message when they're doing any kind of presentation, it really shows that the engagement will be higher and people will remember the message. So storytelling to me is the key to curriculum. It's the key to business success. It's the key to personal success because storytelling is a way to also build that legacy of personal stories that you pass on through the generations of time. And so I teach online classes now or do small group virtual coaching. And it's been a joy ride to work with people. The best thing is when I've been leading after school and summer camps for kids, teaching them to be the storytellers and helping them to find their voice and confidence to stand in front of an audience. I think that was like the best introduction ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need to go sign up for a class so I can do this. Anytime <laughs> someone asks me, what do I do? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, how do I explain? <laughs> um, so I have like a gajillion questions that I can't sure. possibly cover in, you know, the time we have. Um, but the traveling part really got me since especially mm -hmm. since right now we can't travel or we're not supposed yeah. to be traveling um so what is what was your favorite or something that stuck out um in a trip like something that you 
you know where I'm going. Like, yes. you know, something that impacted, like, some the not the most, but, like, maybe even one that was, like, potentially mundane. But there was something that came out of it that changed trajectories. Ah, I really like that question on there. So I was teaching at a conference in California, the California Kindergarten Conference. And I was teaching to about 500 teachers in my workshop. What I didn't know was in the back of the room was a coalition of an owner of a school in Vietnam. After the presentation, she came up to me and said with her translator, I want you to come to Vietnam and train my teachers. And I'm like, okay, when? <laughs> and spring break was coming up. This was in February and spring break was coming up. So she said, please invite a friend and yourself. Yeah. And we're going to first have a meeting. They flew us to Vietnam to Ho Chi Minh City, to this beautiful school called Kinder Star. I've never been to an early childhood center that was four stories high and had a private chef and a block room and an art room and a beach. Oh my God. A pretend beach for the children. <laughs> they interviewed my partner and I, Judy, and then invited us to come back in the summer. In that week that we were there, which was my spring break, this is the, I don't know if it's mundane or it felt like I was in a interesting place because yeah. I had been also subsequently contacted by a school in Guangzhou, China. And they wanted to meet with us that same week. So we met with the owners of the school in um, Ho Chi Minh City the first two days. We got on a plane and crossed the China Sea and went to Guangzhou, China. And there I didn't know, but I was sitting with one of the prime ministers <laughs> in Guangzhou, having dinner with them, talking about this new kindergarten they wanted to open. And I'm like storying the whole way through, you know, because I was president of the California Kindergarten Association. So it, yes. I was someone special. And it really was delightful eating this marvelous meal. So we were there for two days, treated like we were in five-star hotels. And I'm going, oh my, get back on the plane, go back to Saigon. They put us in a beach area in Da Nang so I could go visit my daughter who was teaching there. Oh my gosh. Then we had another. Now this is all within a six-day period. We crossed the China Sea eight times in six what? days. <laughs> it was just quite amazing to be this and then they hired us to come back in the summer to train their teachers in storytelling and literacy activities and music with children so i went from this mundane experience kind of, of putting on a workshop being exhausted yeah to going there and i performed at the school also that was part of that week yeah and the Minister of Education was there when we got off the plane, finally, at our last part of being back in Saigon, there were banners all over Saigon with my name on it. No. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be a celebrity. All I did was in their kindness to offer them my storytelling as a gift. 
it became an event. So I don't know if that's particularly mundane, but I went back to my school after this, you know, Bathgate Elementary School kindergarten teacher is my other paying job. <laughs> I told my principal all that it was about, and here's the mundane part. And she said, oh, that's nice. <laughs> I'm thinking, so there really is to that adage that you need to go 50 miles beyond your own home to be famous. Yes. <laughs> so when I got back and just got that, oh, how nice. I'm thinking, you don't understand. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cool. Um, so I like, so I get the, I get the mundane part. So that whole, I think some of the, I can say lots of things, but showing up is really hard and showing up and doing those trainings that are like, dun, da, da, like I've done this a hundred times, dun, da, da, like I am, I've answered the same question over and over and mm -hmm. over again. But then to like, like I've, I view, and we, you and I talked a little bit about social media before we got on, but I, yes. for me, social media and like every story, every Facebook post, like everything we throw out is like a rock or a pebble we're throwing out into our little lake or our little pond in some cases. Mm -hmm. And we're hoping that, you know, the ripples will hit and roll over. And then at some point it'll be that wave that'll just crash over and it'll be the thing that works, that thing that mm -hmm. works. So I love that it was, you know, one of your little pebbles got to like watch <sighs> over someone in an audience that you, who knew they were going to be there. That's crazy. Exactly. I, I was so surprised that they had traveled that far to come to a conference, first of all, and that they happened to be sitting in my presentation. Right. Talk about serendipitous. <laughs> Absolutely. So is there um, like, so, so the other thing I wanted to ask, because mm -hmm. before I before I lose it again. So are you the person that like trains the librarians to tell better stories at story time? I have been one of those people. That's yes. amazing. <laughs> I thought they were just born with it. Well, you know, they are. They're trained and usually they do a delightful job. But as an oral tradition storyteller, I don't use the book okay. in my presentations. I tell stories without the book. Now, as a teacher, I always use the book many times in my classroom. And just like the librarians when they put on the story, because kids need to see the beautiful illustrations. Yes. They need to see that, especially our English language learners. They need to see the pictures. So it's a little bit of both. But I had trained um, docents at museums and also librarians to put on a, a powerful presentation to make story time a little more fun and to engage their audiences in a way that still gets the literacy of the book but then close that book and just have fun telling the story with the children. So that's really how children learn comprehension. I love it. I love it. I, I do want to say, I feel like I've met uh, quite a few kindergartners and I've raised three. And <laughs> when I had, as a Girl Scout leader, when I had them as kindergartners, every single kindergartner in all the elementary schools who'd been in Girl Scouts knew who I was. So to kindergartners, if you want to be famous, Go hang out with some kindergartners. 
you know, you're the queen. And I just got connected with one of my former students last week on Veterans Day. Yeah. And he had served in Afghanistan for eight years. He was at, visiting at my school, previous school. And Alex, Alex called me and said, I remember you. And I remember your stories. And that to me was like, oh, Alex, and he's a cop now, you know, and to talk about remembering kindergarten and his teacher. <laughs> Kindergartners, like kindergarten is really impactful. Like that year, mm -hmm. that three to six, like is just so, that three to six range is like, that's really important. But that's a whole other show. It um, is another show. It's a whole other show. So let's jump into um, preserving family stories. Thanks. And um, you already told me about it, um, but I would love for you to share um, your storybooks um, that you do for families and mm -hmm. for milestones. I want to hear about those. So can you share about that? Thank you. Okay. Well, I've always um, enjoyed family history, and I was blessed by having a grandmother who wrote down the stories and kept the documents in a nice safe place. And they were actually labeled, you know, instead of in a box. Um, so by taking her lead, I've become the historian of my family. Some other cousins are also working on it and I work on family search. So I put in photo memories in the family tree and I also now go in and annotate stories and I'm going to be recording those stories but for each of my children and nieces and nephews I made a book of stories and photographs for them to have my personal memories I actually my mother died when she was 40 years old from breast cancer and I didn't have her stories yet so I interviewed family members her maid of honor her best friend and I got those stories of things I never knew about my mother because I didn't get to have that adult relationship with her. And it made me so impressed that this is what I wanted to give to my family and my children, that they knew where they came from, who their ancestors are, and stories about them. Because I didn't know if they'd carry it on themselves, but now I've left this legacy, not only in written form, but now it's on a cloud format yes. with family search and they will be able to always go in however it changes in the future and have access to my work. Now, sometimes I get going on it and man, I can spend hours on other times. It's like, I don't touch it for days, but I feel like I've done enough right now to at least everybody on our um, four generations has a story attached to it. And that is really important. Now, family celebrations are really important. We're getting ready for Thanksgiving. This is a perfect time, even though this year it will be different for our families. This is a time to have that Zoom interview with grandma, grandpa, aunts, and uncles, mom, and dad. Have some questions. You know, StoryCorps has wonderful questions on it for how to conduct an interview with a family member. So I would highly recommend that people stop over on that website to find those question techniques that would help them prepare to interview a family member. 
especially those that are getting older. I mean, you just never know. And right now we just never know about our lives. So it's really important to take time to interview, to question and record these things in a way that you'll have them. Another way that I help families with their memories is making what I call kind of memory, memory books or fairy tale stories. So I have done this now for several couples for their 50th anniversary, and they were always surprises. The kids fed me all the anecdotal stories and gave me the photographs. I made them into scrapbooks, or you could make it digitally also. And because I'm a calligrapher, I would write up these fairy tales. Once upon a time, there was Prince Morris and Princess Marilyn. And I would tell their history and their story and make all kinds of scrapbooks in there. And then I would go to the event and I tell the story at the event. The other way I have done these memory books is to be for couples who are getting married. It's the story of their engagement, this, their love story, the beginning of their love story. So I put together this scrapbook that both sides of the family would put, give me because it was always a surprise. And I would show up at the wedding and tell their story, their love story, and as well as the 50th anniversary stories, or it could be a birthday celebration. These always gave me such sweetness in my heart because to, to be able to tell someone else's story and make it meaningful with emotion in it, even though I maybe didn't have personal connection with these people initially, I felt like I knew them after doing these stories. So legacy storytelling is so important because someone has to take that responsibility to pass on these stories to the next generation. Everybody needs to know where they came from, who are the important people in their lives, how they got their name, where their family lived. Like mine came over on the Mayflower. John Howland is my eighth great grandfather. Okay. So I'm like, okay. And they have the John Howland Society right there in Plymouth. So, wow, there's a legacy, you know, of, wow, I'm an original descendant of the Mayflower um, group and the Tillies also are part of my family. So we have to help people have that connection. It's real easy to think that we're just our little nuclear family, but this gives such power to a child. Did you ever find that? Yeah that knowing where you came from was important? Yes. And do you pass it on to your children? Yes. Mm -hmm. And do they ask questions about their ancestors? They do, they do. So my dad died when I was, I think technically I was 18. Um, mm -hmm. So they ask questions about him and his family because they don't see them very often. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really important to me that um, they had relationships with both sets of grandparents as much as possible or like with the surviving grandparents. Um, and so we've been able to be where um, where we live now um, in Butler. The 
my husband's family has been here for generations. Mm -hmm. And so the kids were all christened in the church where he was christened, where his parent was christened, his grandparent is, you know, back, 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 back. Um, So that's been really cool. But my dad actually was from Ireland. So there's a whole um, family history over there. Um, And so it's, it, I mean, usually it comes up around like the times where the teacher at, at school, the teacher is right. like, go home and like talk to your family. And like, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. usually those assignment things. It's funny, um, you know, because being I do know that they watch my YouTube videos. So sometimes when I drop a new YouTube video on the legacy channel, my teenager will be like, hey, mom, you said this thing in your YouTube video about this thing. Like, can we talk about that? Because it's usually related to a family thing or a history thing. So we have weird conversations in our house. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it's understanding where you came from. And it's the the thing that sometimes families aren't good about writing all of that stuff down or it's mm-hmm. not in a way that's like easily consumable. So mm-hmm. the fact that you've made it easily consumable is I love it. Like it just makes my heart happy. And because you know, when fam- we, you can, oh, go you ahead. Have to. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. Um, oh. Yeah, just go. You're good. Oh, I didn't want to interrupt your thought, though. Okay. Okay. I, I was just, you were prompting me to think about that, that it doesn't have to be fancy. Right. Okay. Um, with the nice things about having word processing, you know, where you can make these little books on Shutterfly or places, um, let's see, chat books and variety yeah. of things, even on pages or any format now um, in word processing, you have this option to do at least click a picture and maybe write just something, one sentence even, or or some dates. The worst is when you get that box of pictures and you have no clue who these people are. Right? Mm -mm. And you could tell it was important. It was important to the Mm -hmm. person who took it, but gosh darn it, like pitch like how many photos have been thrown out over (laughs) you know decades of kids going mom who is this sorry you're not Ah. here (laughs) well I think it's important to involve the children in it by the time they're six years old they can be involved in this they can be involved in typing the stories into the computer they can be involved in recording the stories they are quite capable of taking on this genealogy, the family history themselves, if it becomes a priority in the family. And it really is something that is a gift. It gives a chance to talk. It's a wonderful conduit for communication. Yes. Yeah. I did um, a couple of years ago, I created a legacy scavenger hunt. Mm. Um, so like uh, directing kids how to start conversations with their grandparents, with their parents. And it's, you know, find someone who has a nickname and then ask them how they got mm. it. Find someone who, you know, has something read on or it's something that looks like it's important to them and then ask them the story behind it. So with the um, the way I like to do legacy stuff is taking that the five W's and Mm -hmm. start having people start with those five W's and then like pick, I usually have three to four, like I call them digging deeper questions. Mm -hmm. And then that's like forms a framework of what a story page would look like. Mm -hmm. And that's how I do um, 
it's how I've taught my kids to talk. So like this is when you're talking to someone to give them context, you need the five W's. And then if you want to give them a little bit more, how you feel about it, how, um, you know, uh, how it impacted you. That's usually a question I like to ask. Um, and that's something, those are like day-to-day conversations I have with my kids of like, oh, well, who was with you? When, like, where were you? How did that make you feel? You know, what do you think you're going to like, you know, are you going to change something about it? Um, you know, it's just the kid stuff, like those head kid conversations. So the so someone in um, our one of my Facebook groups is making a comment. So I would love to know who you are. Um, there's a link to click um, to tell StreamYard that you can that I can see your name. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll go see and reply in the Facebook group. Um, but just for audio perspective, um, someone commented, this conversation has my mother and I talking about creating scrapbooks and even just small photo albums for the children in our family. Yay. Thank you both for this. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I actually just started, um, not just, I. have you heard of mixed tiles yet? Um, no. Hi, Monica. <laughs> um, so mixed tiles is... Um, it's basically like, I think um, someone, Shutterfly is experimenting with it, um, but they're just little square pictures. So like you do it from your phone. I think you can do it from mm-hmm. the computer now, but you send it off and they come back and they're just like square tiles that you oh, take nice. a backing off and you can just stick it on your wall. So uh-huh. there's no nails. There's no, Perfect. and you can like remove them and change them. Um, and I did... Um, when I was at, um, I had gone through and taken pictures of my father as a young man, like getting married to my mom and, um, mm-hmm. when we were babies and, um, the picture quality, like, I, cause I took it out of an album. You, you couldn't take the photo out cause they were right. stuck to the thing, you know, the film's <laughs> all over it, whatever. And so I like with my crappy phone, like took a picture and that's what the picture on the mixed tile is. And it came out really well. Um, so that's just like that easily consumable thing. And they're not paying me to say any of this. This is not a sponsored right. video. But um, it's a really neat way to um, have those easily consumable images and have that those pieces. Yes, Some of the talking I, points. Wonderful. And see, these are the things that if we can establish this in their home. When my babies were little, all of our family members lived far away. And from the time... I brought my daughter home from the hospital. We had pictures of the grandmas and the grandpas and the aunts and the uncles and some of the cousins in her room. We would be like saying good night to them and good morning to them. Good morning, grandma. Good morning, grandpa. Because then we didn't have FaceTime. We didn't have Zoom. So, you know, I had to take pictures, get them printed, put them in the mail to get them to the grandma. And the grandpas who live far away, now, you know, today I got to FaceTime with my granddaughter in Scotland. Right. It's just so important to make that connection. Now, I know not everybody has the most ideal family situations, but when you can discover that, I think it makes you walk a little taller when you know who you are, even if there's some skeletons in the closet. You know, um, I, I, I honor knowing about my grandmother. I really feel like they left me when I was in my 20s, so I didn't get to enjoy them 
as an adult and my mother as well. So anytime I'm with someone who tells me one little piece, I'm like, oh, oh, got to save that. <laughs> <laughs> got to write it down. I got to write it down. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I totally, I totally understand that because mm -hmm. I didn't get that like, um, because my dad died when I was 18, um, mm -hmm. it was definitely didn't get to have the conversations I wanted to have, which yes. is a lot of why I started the Legacy Recorder. Uh -huh. um, because I had a baby at the same time and that like it just smashed like two life events like right next to mm -hmm. each other um, and trying to navigate what that what like what a storytelling look like when you have this new life that you're helping them form their perspective of the world and but like a perspective you really needed and wanted like was gone um mm -hmm. so filling in so legacies like me filling in the gaps basically right <laughs> trying to I, figure out how to do that i understand because my i was 18 when my mother died senior year of high school <laughs> you know and I had to navigate life as a motherless child. My father died at age 52. So within 12 years, I lost both of my parents. I had my siblings, but we get together. And I think some of the fun times we have as siblings is telling our stories and finding out that we all went through a shared experience, but we all have a different perspective on that shared experience. Yes. <laughs> And is there, sorry. we just validate, you know, right? like, okay, that's a different story. How many, um, what's the, what are the age gaps between you guys? My sister is two years older than I, and my brother is four years younger. Okay. So we were the bossy older sisters to a younger brother. Nice. <laughs> okay. Um, wanted to ask something else. Hold on, I made notes. Hmm. Well, let's do, let's see. Do you have anything else you wanna share? Well, I I, what I found was um, I couldn't always get my children to get on the bandwagon about why this is important because right. they're, they're children and there's a lot of other important things in their life and thank goodness for the schools when they would do those projects right and they'd go to church and genealogy is a very big part of my church you know so it was like okay um let's do it you know Let, let's figure out but it always felt like it was pulling hairs here and there but they are gifted by knowing that I have done some of this work for them. I hope that my example sets the stage for them with their families because my son's married and there's a whole nother line of people in his wife's family to get to know. So we have to create this opportunity where that family legacy stories, the memories, when we go through death, stories are the comforting thing that get us through the grief. And we all have to go through that grief walk. And I mean, my mother's been dead all these almost 50 years. And, you know, I, I still have a grief walk every now and then. My sister-in-law, whom we lost, my 
a friend's baby boy who died last year. These grief walks have to be encompassed with story because story, it helps us to either smile or maybe we're, you know, remembering some things that were not so great that brings a different kind of grief or a different kind of growth or brings back a soft spot in our heart that hasn't healed yet and that forgiveness hasn't been there. So what I recommend is start somewhere. Don't wait too long to interview the older members of your family. And like all those questions you ask your children, the five W's, that's a great place to start with them to help them to feel stories important. And how do we create that story? If we know those questions, we can create the story and add our emotional responses into it. And we can create the characters yes. that need to go in that story, right? Yes. Because we observe all these things and our children observe us all the time. They're watching. They're watching the world. They're watching who they interact with. When we set the example, they may not embrace it right away. And I don't know if it was for you once you had children. Did it become more important for you to share your background and your legacy with them once you were a mom? I didn't have a whole lot of time in between. So mm -hmm. there was like that, um, you know, I've. <laughs> knowing um knowing who you are and knowing where you came from i feel like are for me have been two different things so like mm -hmm. i've known where i came from for a, you know i knew that as a young person mm -hmm. but sort of lost the who am i part mm -hmm. um sort of in there um and so i did a lot of like present work like mm -hmm. this is what we're doing right now like mm -hmm. um but that it was really important to me that they knew um that they knew stories about my dad and that they knew um, like what kind of person he was and the things, you know, and that they got to know his family. So as a result, um, I've made sure I've taken my kids to Ireland. They've traveled to Ireland a couple of times. Every time we get a chance to go to um, family reunions, um, especially if they're overseas, we do that. So they've, we did a 10 day trip in Sweden um, with, uh, for, uh, for a Lindstrom family reunion and that family reunion is like it's on my mom's side and it's it's like I someone's gonna yell at me but it's like four generations back I think um so it's like my great-grandmother's parents um and it's like somewhere over like a second cousin somewhere and then they found us like as they were doing genealogy stuff like they found on my line um and then they were like, hey, we have this reunion, like, every two years. You're, like, the ones that went to America. Like, you should come hang out with us. And so when I was 14, um, we went to Sweden for this reunion for, you know, it was really neat. So anyhow, so those are, it was really important. But it was, I think, it was sort of already a part of how I talked about life. It was already, talk, like, it was how my mom talked about things. It was mm -hmm. how, um, it was just part of our fabric already which was kind of neat um so finding how to what I'm struggling with as an adult now with 
the three kids and working and everything is remembering to be like, hey, we really need to write that down or hey, we should do that. Like, mm-hmm. even though I tell people, hey, you should do this. Right. <laughs> it's right. like, ah, I'm in that weird <sighs> vortex of how do I live in the moment, you know, raise the child mm-hmm. and record the history at the same time. Yeah. So. It's, a, it's a busy time of your life. I would sometimes, if as the kids were a little older and not so needy, I would just say Sundays were a day for me to work on that. You know, if I could just do a half an hour, at least I did something, even if it was 15 minutes, right. at least I did something. And I journal. So I have these journals. My kids will probably look at it and think, oh, my gosh, my mother was a mad woman. Um, <laughs> but journaling has been an important part. And I don't do it all the time, you know, every day. But I try to, especially during this COVID time, I've been trying to do it once a week, just a couple of paragraphs. And for some people, it's just two sentences in a day, you know, and you don't always have the time for that because by the end of the day, we're exhausted, right? Especially now that you've had to juggle children, work from home, children's work from home. It's like, it's way too much. But I do find some comfort in it. And it does give me a presence of mind to write these thoughts down. Do you and, have, sorry, do you have a no. prompt that you like to use or do you use a different, do you have a prompt um, book, like a favorite, or do you just go vomit? Yeah, I just, I, you'd have to go the vomit route. Yes. <laughs> it's like uh, whatever, whatever's on my brain at that day, you know, or I kind of do a recounting of the week. And then I'll add some more emotional pieces to it, um, however the week went. So it is more like a recap of how the week went. And it's something that I use also if I'm going to tell a personal story as a performance. My journals are a source of that material for making that personal story. I love it. I love it. So... We're, oh my gosh, it's almost 10 o'clock. We okay. are over. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, so what, um, sometimes I have really great parting questions that I don't have any right now. Um, so where, where is the best place for people to start looking for you? Like which platform okay. do you like best? Thanks. I am on Instagram at... Deb Storyteller. You can find me on Facebook also. Deborah Weller is my kind of personal account. And I also have one called Story Dash Telling Courses on Facebook. That's more of the business side of what I do. You can also find me on my website. And that is, it's H-T-T-P-S, and it's story-tellingcourses.com. And that's where I have my courses and virtual coaching. And it tells a little bit about me and some videos up there. Oh, the other place you can find me. YouTube channel, Deborah Weller, Storyteller. And I have some great stories up there. So please subscribe. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Definitely. I'm going to have to tag you in the YouTube description. We are live on YouTube too. So oh, great. Right. Isn't that faster? Awesome. Um, okay. So, I, so can, I can find this recording on there also. Mm -hmm. ah, ah, great. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so I included, I threw in the, um, Instagram handle and the main mm -hmm. website into the comments. Thank I will you. update the, you're welcome. I'll update the description of the video, um, everywhere to have the other links. And then, um, if you've been following along with the Legacy Recorder, you know that I like to write about things. So you will find a blog post about this after mm -hmm. we're done some date in the future. <laughs> well, I just want everybody to know that sometimes by putting yourself out there on different platforms, you get a chance to connect with people like, we got connected, right? Just by right. A, a comment on direct messaging. Yes. So this is the way that you find a chance to meet people you'd never meet. And I'm really grateful for that to be here with you tonight and to have a chance to chat with you as well as those that are listening. So thank you for that opportunity. You're welcome. I'm so glad. I think um, maybe you had followed me on Instagram and when people <laughs> follow me on Instagram, I'd like to send a voice message back <laughs> and it's, um, funny because they like sometimes they freak out because they like they try they they forget which button they're going to hit and then they all they accidentally send me one back and then they freak out like oh my gosh don't listen to that <laughs> <laughs> and, but usually they're like oh my gosh I've never gotten a voice message before so mm -hmm. that tip is not for me that's actually from Sunny Leonard Doozy um she <laughs> is like a YouTube um guru crazy person um she's not crazy Sunny I didn't say you were crazy She's amazing, but she's like crazy wonderful at the platform. And that was something she suggested. So it's that um, just because we're in stories, like it's that human touch. So texting, I like, you know, I like writing. I love writing. But to hear someone's voice, like um, for some reason, I'm really big in Australia. I'm not really sure why. Um, so I, all my Australians, like when I leave them voice messages, it's like first thing in the morning, they're like, oh my gosh, like, and it's. It's, it's some really cool conversations. So if you haven't tried that yet, most of the platforms offer it now. I think LinkedIn just kicked it up. Um, and I don't think you can send them on Twitter. But anyhow, voice messages, that's where we're going. Yes. So thank you so much, Deborah. I'm so thank glad you. that you shared things. And I want to have more conversations about traveling and your incredible body of work that you have thank been you. able to put out to the world. Oh. So. Invite me back and I'll come on along. And you I'm have in, a I'm in. happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, everyone who is watching the replay, we love you. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.